Okay, ready? Welcome back to Here on the Hill, a podcast from Montgomery Bell Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. Thanksgiving weekend this year coincides with the release of Get Back, a new documentary about four obscure musicians called John, Paul, George, and Ringo, otherwise known as The Beatles. There's no shortage of love for the Fab Four on the Hill, and in this episode, we hear from four of MBA's resident Beatlemaniacs, including our head of school, Brad Joya. In our first segment, we hear Mr. Joya join English teacher Tom Markham and school librarian Jane McMahon as they discuss their top five Beatles songs. And in our second segment, Jennifer Howell, assistant to the head of school, decides which Beatles songs she would buy if she only had $20 to spend. So first up, Ms. McMahon sits down with Mr. Markham and Mr. Joya to share their top five lists. Okay, well, Mr. Joya and Mr. Markham, thank you for taking some time today so we can sit down and just share our love of the Beatles. Uh, But before we get to our top five lists, um, maybe let's just each go around and say a little bit of our personal history with with the Beatles. So, Mr. Joya, can we begin with you? Sure. I think, uh, without question, my interest in the Beatles was ignited by watching them on the Ed Sullivan Show. And I can attest that I am the only one of the three of us who was able to do that. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, that was electrifying because, you know, they, they had this incredible splash in the United States. Ed Sullivan was as popular as you could get at the time on a Sunday night. And I had to beg my grandmother for me to stay up and watch it. So that's what I remember. Okay. That's, that might be a, a difficult memory to top, but Mr. Markham, what, what can you share about your yeah. perspective on the Beatles? Well, uh, I mean, I, it would, it, I was born fully 22 years after the Beatles broke up. So sadly, oh. I didn't, yeah, it's, my bad. It's a dagger I shouldn't, here. I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, Probably my first memory is right around the year like 2000 or so, I think, they released that compilation, One, like that had all of their number one singles. Every person um, on the planet got it for Christmas yeah, that year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and we just wore that thing out, the CD, in my mom's car. Um, so that was my first foray. It was like learning the hits and just, I, I guess it was something like, you know, my parents liked it, and that was at a time when it was still cool to like the stuff that my parents liked, and so I just, yeah, it was just kind of on, and for whatever reason in my house, it was like a established thing that the Beatles were, like, very important, um, and then, like, subsequent phases happened, you know, in high school, I had a cousin who, in the, like, iTunes days when you would just like borrow someone's hard drive and like take all of their music and put it on your computer. This was like my cool older cousin and he gave me all their albums, you know, Rubber Soul and all that sort of stuff. So then I fell in love with them in the like hipster kind of way of like, let me find all of the obscure stuff that isn't the number one singles. Um, So it's, yeah, I mean, it's been most of my life just relearning. And then the more you learn about their history, um, how influential, how just monolithically popular they were. Um, 
they yeah they just they became like these mythic figures uh that they still are yeah and I'm, I'm there's like a beatles song for every occasion um great songwriters great musicians and to me they kind of like represent the like archetype of like a band you know greater than the sum of their parts and all the drama with breaking up and you know these kind of twin figures of like yin and yang songwriting and Lennon McCartney so they're just like an inexhaustible well of stuff that I like yeah I can't remember who it was now so I don't want to misattribute someone but I know I've heard someone say recently that the Beatles um, before the Beatles bands didn't break up they kind of just existed and then didn't exist anymore but they really kind of set the template for what it meant for a band to break up in the way that they did Uh, for me I won't get too technical with my math on whether I fall exactly between (laughs) Mr. Joya and Mr. Markham generation wise but I will say that um, in terms of my personal history with the Beatles, I, for me, I guess it kind of falls into pre and post internet mm. because when I was in grade school and middle school and high school, you know, piece by piece, I would get, you know, a CD or a cassette that here and there, but I never had the complete catalog. And um, though I hate to bring the specter of COVID into this discussion, it was during lockdown that I really revisited the Beatles seriously mm-hmm. for the first time in a long while. Only now I had the whole internet to explore and research and start listening to a bunch of podcasts. So shout out to Will Hines, who's done a ton of podcasting <laughs> on the Beatles that I listened to while we were in remote learning. So it's just been really exciting to get to go back and revisit a lot of that now that pretty much all of the music is at someone's fingertips and that there's just so much more you can access and just so much has been written and explored about the Beatles. And then you know? re-explored or re-contextualized, you know, every time there's an anniversary of an album, they have like a remastered version and you get to like, yeah, re- relive and relearn all about that, that stuff. So they're, they're just going to keep being popular forever, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so we have all gone on the record now as official Beatles fans. Getting to our top five list, Mr. Markham, can we start with your number five? Number five. Um, Okay, so for my number five, I went with Hold Me Tight, which I wanted in some way to represent their kind of early pop standard, not standards, but like the the I want to hold your hand, she loves you kind of category of their catalog that they largely left behind in kind of their more famous albums. But some of those songs are just like, I mean, we're, I, you know, each time we go around this list, I'm going to be singing this in my head. But like the NBA rock band plays, I saw her standing there, you know, every week at a home football game. So Hold Me Tight is just the one that I was like, this is the one in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so Hold Me Tight, not on my list, and yet that song will now probably be in my head for the rest of yeah. the day. Sorry so. about that. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Joya, your number five, please. So as he alluded to earlier, I would probably shuffle this list time and time again uh, because it's like foods or other things in my life. You like different things at different times. You know, even as we sat here, I switched some songs. <laughs> uh, but for me, number five 
would be a day in the life from the Sgt. Pepper's album. And one of the things I really like about that song is I think it's a wonderful contrast of Lennon and McCartney. Uh, Lennon sort of expressing, articulating some of his angst with a lot of the daily uh, complications, waiting for a bus, whatever he's doing or singing about. McCartney finding kind of a beauty in, in the humdrum. And, and those two characters are such great uh, individuals to contrast and continue to think about. Mm. Okay, so A Day in the Life, actually my number two. So maybe the only thing I'll add about that right now is that as I was putting my list together, I think of A Day in the Life um, in terms of NPR talks about stories that are have driveway moments where if you're in your car and listening to an NPR story on the way home and then like you don't get out of your car, you sit in your driveway because you need to hear the end of it. And I think maybe of like all the Beatles songs, that would be my Beatles driveway song, where if it's playing when I'm on the radio and I get to the parking lot at Publix or something like that, I'll sit in my car and until the song is over. So A Day in the Life um, was my number two. But my number five was The End from Abbey Road. And um, as I mentioned earlier, when I was growing up, I didn't have all the Beatles albums. And Abbey Road is probably the album that I came to latest. And so I maybe don't, it's maybe not as ingrained in my memory the way some of the albums are that I listened to when I was 16 or something like that. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to fault me for picking a track from Abbey Road. Um, (laughs) But also, I really like the end because there's a section where... I'll probably get the order wrong, but where Paul, George, and John all take turns on the guitar solo. It's a really upbeat song. It's the kind of song I like to play in my car on Friday afternoon as the weekend is beginning. My number five track is The End. So, Mr. Markham, what's your number four? My number four is Tomorrow Never Knows uh, off Revolver. If I'm remembering correctly, I think it's the very last track on Revolver. And... I chose it in part because I didn't exactly know which of their kind of psychedelic songs to choose. There's quite a few of them, even on Revolver, uh, things like She Said, She Said. But Tomorrow Never Knows uh, was, and still sounds, like extremely boundary-pushing, doing some sonic stuff that we kind of like take for granted in pop music now, and seemed like it kind of really signaled a new era uh, for them with, you know, all the weird myth around it, John reading from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and there was something like he was suspended in some kind of, like, swing to record the vocals, you know. So it kind of feeds that myth of their sort of studio experimentation and innovation. And it's just really cool. It's, like, one of the few times Ringo gets to be, like, a good drummer, which is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I think Ringo, well... Maybe it's like no longer a hot take to say that Ringo, <laughs> Ringo deserves more love, but Ringo does deserve more love, and Tomorrow Never Knows is uh, a killer song. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows didn't make my list, but I would give it a, an honorable mention or special distinction for one of the Beatles songs that has grown the most <laughs> on me over the years. I think yeah. I remember it was it's the closing credit song on an episode of Mad Men, and I remember hearing somewhere that they had the show had to pay like. $500,000 to use like 20 seconds of that song. For some reason, I, I just didn't, I guess, know how much like the licensing to music costs, but I was like, what? <laughs> it's that big of a deal? And Yes, it is. 
Next up, Mr. Joya, can you tell us your number four pick? My number four pick is uh, certainly one of the songs the Beatles are no, most known for, a beautiful ballad, Yesterday. It's not necessarily loved by all the Beatles, apparently. They felt it was a little mawkish <laughs> and, and, and were even concerned about releasing, releasing it. But um, it's just such a beautiful uh, piece of music, and, and I love the lyrics as well. One thing I've heard about yesterday, and this may be completely apocryphal, so no one at me if I'm wrong about this. I've heard some stories that people would come up to John Lennon and say, yesterday is my favorite song in the whole world or something, and he would just have to say, like, that's a Paul one <laughs> or something like that. I don't know if it's true, but... Um, for me, my number four, I can say, is probably the song on this list that I know wouldn't have been on my list six months ago, but now it's just, whoa, it's just really climbed with me, is Day Tripper. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually have a very distinct memory of this song from this past summer. It's kind of my first time to get to travel and meet up with friends in what seemed like a very, very long time. And when I heard this song, you know, sitting out on a lake in the sunshine, it just sounded like the most beautiful piece of music that could ever exist. Hmm. And now, at least for today, it's one of my top five Beatles songs. So my number four is Day Tripper. Next up, Mr. Markham, what is your number three pick? Number three, I went with Penny Lane. Um, I had to pick a Paul song that was very... Uh, evocative in terms of the imagery and uh, had a kind of storytelling quality to it, even though there's not necessarily a full-on narrative like there is in some other of his songs. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it seems very nostalgic in a way that Paul is really good at. Um, extremely beautiful melody, but they're doing a lot of cool stuff with the instrumentation. There's like a horn section and... Um, this is, yeah, it's a beautiful song. I don't have much to really add other than, like, Penny Lane is a good song. Uh, yeah, it, it, it makes me very emotional for reasons I can't quite uh, pinpoint. So I'll probably have to, like, talk about that in counseling sometime with somebody. Okay. But Penny, Penny Lane, number three. All right. Uh, Mr. Joya, your number three pick, please. My number three pick is Let It Be. And I, uh, I remember, I don't know how many years ago now, that uh, I learned that Mother Mary was not who I thought Mother Mary was when I listened to the poem. And of course, it's about Paul's mother and a dream he had. Uh, but I've just, you know, probably more in a ballad-esque interest for the Beatles at this stage of my life. And so that would be another one that I would categorize there. Uh, I'm not sure John loved it, but maybe because it was Paul's song. Uh, I think there was just a lot of jealousy uh, between the two of them. Um, I was in the same situation with you as that song in terms of, I don't know, maybe it's because we're three English teachers all sitting here that maybe we always subscribe some kind of larger significance or something, but really just turned out uh, Paul's mother was matter. named Mary. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and Let It Be is my number one. Okay. So, so spoiler alert. Um, this is the one when I referred to, you know, the, the Beatles one album that was playing in uh, my mom's car. For whatever reason, of all the tracks on that compilation, let it be like, I associate most with that. Um, and of the kind of like anthemic Paul ballads, it was kind of either that or Hey Jude. 
Uh, so I went with Let It Be. Let It Be also has a, a great guitar solo too. As much as we think mm-hmm. of it as like a you know piano ballad, um, George has two different, depending on what recording you hear, two different guitar solos, both of them awesome. Um, but yeah, that's one that just has a very special sentimental connection for me, and it's yeah very sing-alongable too. It's not Paul doing his like really theatrical vocal stuff for the most part. Um, so my number one. Yeah, it's um, maybe one of the closest things the Beatles have to a modern folk song, the way Hmm. something like Seven Nation Army has essentially become a folk song that people sing in stadiums and and things like that. Uh, So, great pick. For me, uh, my number three pick, um, so going back to some of the earlier Beatles, um, you know, I guess when I think about the early Beatles, the two just huge smashes would be She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand. But really, my favorite pick from that era is Please Please Me. And I just think of it as a song that has all of that youthful exuberance um, that I guess we still associate with, you know, boy bands today and things like that. Um, But I just really love the vocals on that song. And uh, I guess if I had to pick one song from um, maybe from those early singles, uh, I would have to go with with Please Please Me. Mm-hmm. That was their first mm-hmm. number one single, right? I believe it was. In but, the UK at least. But yeah. yeah, but one of the things with, you know, UK release versus US release and, and all of that, I, I still get kind of mixed up yeah. <laughs> on that. But I think of it, I think of it as their number one. Yeah. Okay, so we've had a little bit of overlap so far, but it's really been kind of diffuse here. So, Mr. Markham, your number two pick. Number two. This is the last one on my list since we talked about Let It Be. Uh, For me, number two is Norwegian Wood off of the Rubber Soul album. And when I sort of introed my experience with the Beatles, I mentioned my cool older cousin who had, you know, all their albums on a hard drive, and he gave that to me. Rubber Soul was the first of their kind of, you know, more studio-centric albums that I, like, fell in love with. And Norwegian Wood has the sitar part, and it's a very quiet song. It's, you know, just acoustic guitar and John singing, and then George plays that sitar part. And I remember hearing that and just, like, I didn't know people could write songs like that. Like, the imagery is very strange and kind of sinister. So it it, it kind of just, like, expanded my mind a little bit in a way, you know... my previous ex- experience with the Beatles was like number one singles. And Norwegian Wood is not a number one single <laughs> material. Uh, so that was, yeah, kind of an eye-opening experience. And, and it's just a, yeah, beautiful, weird little, not quite a novelty, because it's way too good to be just categorized as a novelty, but it uh, it sticks with me. Okay, so that's your, uh, love the Latin, we know all your picks now, but you still might have some comments to share on our remaining tracks. Um, Mr. Joya, your number two pick. This is where it gets really complex for me because <laughs> uh, one of the things I love about the Beatles, and it, it probably struck me most when I was able to get the White Album when it first came out, it just shouted out how much variety there is mm-hmm. in this group. You know, like Shakespeare, like Bach, it is uh, a music uh, group that that artistic group that has incredible variety. So I debated Blackbird, I debated debated She's Got a Ticket to Ride, All You Need Is Love, and I landed on Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> 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 because I love, 
I just feel good. Every time I hear that song, it kind of reminds me of the South in some ways. It's kind of an Appalachian uh, feel to it. Uh, but it it's clear that they're having fun and I'm having fun when I'm listening to it. So I'd probably put Rocky there. Yeah, I've never deeply explored what exactly the influence of country western music was on the Beatles, but there clearly was one. Mm-hmm. Rocky Raccoon maybe the most obvious example of that. Uh, gosh, now that I'm looking at my list, I'm like, wow, really nothing from the White Album made it on to here, but so I might be rethinking that. Me, me neither. <laughs> um, my number two pick was A Day in the Life. We already uh, talked about A Day in the Life. We know Mr. Markham's number one pick was Let It Be, so that skips then back to Mr. Joya for your number one pick. So I'm back to my ballads and <laughs> poetry I would select Eleanor Rigby uh, because it has always resonated with me as just this beautiful poem. And uh, I uh, love to think about the the storyline of the church in it and just how elegant it seems in so many respects. I remember um, at one assembly last year, Mrs. Wilson directed the chamber orchestra in assembly. They played Eleanor Rigby. And when I saw her later in the day, I said, well, you know who one of the biggest Beatles fans on campus is? And she had no idea I was talking about. And when I told her you were a a huge Beatles fan, she was surprised, but very happy. (laughs) And that was a great performance that they did of of Eleanor Rigby. That's the first... Someone fact check me on this, but I think it's the first song that none of the Beatles played an instrument on. They had just the string arrangement, and there was no guitar or bass or drums or anything, so it was just Paul singing. And Yeah, I think it was maybe a string octet. I think it was maybe arranged for a quartet, and then okay. they just like doubled it, you know, because they can like do whatever they We're want. We're the Beatles. Yeah. And, so, and then, so, last... Uh, pick is so my number one you know of course I agonized for quite a while over this so the Beatles were influenced by country western music in terms of some specific American artists they were influenced by they professed a great love of the Everly Brothers and I grew up listening to Everly Brothers tunes in my household and so I picked I and maybe that's why I ended up picking a track that I think might be one of the most Everly influenced songs they had. So my number one pick is If I Fell from the Hard Day's Night soundtrack. Just, you know, incredible vocal harmonies. Uh, If I had to pick, if it was, say, these are the only five Beatles songs you can listen to for the rest of your life, I would just need to keep, um, because even though I've heard that song a million times, it always feels fresh to actually hear those harmonies in your ear. And so my number one pick is If I Fell. Good choice. (laughs) As we wrap up, does anyone want to hand out any honorable mentions or mention a track that almost made the list for you? There's probably like 15 of those. <laughs> uh, just let's do a part two of this, <laughs> yeah. and I'll have a totally different list for you next time. Yeah, we talk. <laughs> honorable mention and everything else in the, the rest catalog. of their songs. Yeah, yeah. I just would add there's just such great trivia about the Beatles. I get this email every morning that uh, has numerous pieces of trivia about 
the Beatles, you know, like go back to Eleanor Rigby, you know, they were going to use the name McCartney in there, but Paul decided that no, that wasn't going to be right. So they used the name McKenzie, and he just got the phone book out and he figured out, I got to use a different name than, than McCartney. And I, 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 I was so pleased two years, three years ago, wherever I went to your home state, uh, to the University of Kentucky, and heard McCartney in person for the first time. And he's got such a great voice, played for three hours nonstop. And it's so much fun right now to think about Mick Jagger being 78, McCartney being 79, and they're ribbing each other right and left about, you know, who, why the Stones is, really should just be a, a backup band or a front band for some important group. And, you know, it's just, I just never tire of listening to information about them. Agreed. <laughs> Well, I think we did a great job of discussing this just in time for the end of F Block today. So Mr. Joya and Mr. Markham, thanks for your time today. But more importantly, thank you for everything you both do for the MBA community. Happy to be here with both of you. We'll do it again soon. (laughs) I'm just going to go turn some Beatles on. Yeah, I was like, do I have you? (laughs) Next up in our Thanksgiving feast of Beatlemania, Mrs. Jennifer Howell sits down with Jane McMahon to complete the Buy Your Beatles Playlist Challenge. Well, Ms. Howell, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We're very excited to hear some of your thoughts on some classic Beatles tunes. But before we get to our little segment, which we're calling Buy Your Beatles Playlist, uh, we'd really love just to hear about your history as a Beatles fan. So what can you tell us about you and the Beatles? Well, uh, some of my first memories uh, are of the Beatles, actually. Uh, kindergarten, I want to hold your hand, and she loves you. I uh, remember distinctly sitting there listening to those records, um, and that being like my first exposure to rock and roll. So I always, always loved the Beatles. They were my first, first group that I was into at age five and uh, some of my first albums that I bought. And um, so I kind of kind of grew up with the Beatles. Uh, they were really, they were older than I was. So, you know, they were teenagers when I was five. So, um, but, you know, my music taste changed as theirs did, which, you know, we kind of grew up together, I guess. But uh, still some of my favorites are some of the old ones that I remember from elementary school, actually. Okay. And I'm curious, has there ever been a time in your life where maybe you had not been listening to the Beatles for a little while and then kind of your interest in them kind of resurged for some reason? Well, I think when John went off the rails, I wasn't real into Yoko and and John and I just thought that was, I was totally a Paul McCartney fan. And so I loved, uh, I loved Paul McCartney um, his uh, solo stuff when he went off by himself and did uh, stuff with Linda on the farm, and I was into that in a big way, and uh, Wings. And I guess, yeah, I guess that changed, but I've always been, I guess, a Paul McCartney fan, he, and just always. Still, still am. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so that makes me really excited to hear what you're going to think about the songs that are going to be in play for this segment. Okay. 
So for everyone listening out there, this is going to be Ms. Howell's chance to buy her Beatles playlist. She will have $20 to spend, and we will tell you the selection of songs that she can purchase. But uh, some of these songs, though, are at different price points. So here is what is available for her. We have one tier of $5 songs. The $5 songs are A Day in the Life, Here Comes the Sun, Strawberry Fields Forever, Hey Jude, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. So those are all $5. Next, on the $3 tier, for $3, she can purchase In My Life, A Hard Day's Night, All You Need Is Love, Something, or Day Tripper. And then the last tier, these are the $1 Beatles songs. So for $1, she could purchase We Can Work It Out, Across the Universe, Can't Buy Me Love, Help, or Helter Skelter. Okay. So, Ms. Howell, you have $20 to spend. $20, okay. How will you conduct your Beatles shopping spree? Well, I think five on Hey Jude, five on... Do I have to commit to these as I'm No, you you can think it through a little bit. You still have some some flex room. there's 10, 11, 12 for Across the Universe and Help. Day Tripper is three. So I'm at 15. Uh, mm, I think I'll go with a day in the life for another five. Yep, that's it. All right. Okay. So let's so let's, let's read let's out. Let's add her. it up. Let's make sure I, I spend all my money and I don't have money left. Okay. So for five dollars each, she went with a day in the life. Here comes the sun. Hey Jude. Uh, all $5 each, that's $15. Then for another $3, she took Day Tripper. That's her only $3 song. That's $18. And then Across the Universe gets her to $19 and Help gets her to $20. Okay, so do you want to lock that in as yeah. your final Yes, list? That's, my, that's my final answer, Jane. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes, that was easy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Was um, any comment? Well, yeah, it was really easy for you. Any any comments you want to make either about songs you purchased um, or songs you left on the board? Well, or some that, yeah, aren't on the board that I would have paid m- more money for, like sure. uh, Let It Be. My favorite Beatles, just to get you up off the floor dancing, is uh, I saw her standing there. That's... That's my big, my big, old time favorite. Uh, Blackbird, another Paul song. How much should Blackbird um, have cost if it had Blackbird, been an option here? At least five. Okay. Yeah, Blackbird would have been a five. Let It Be would have been a five. Uh, let me think. Penny Lane. That's another. It would have been at least a three, maybe. Three. Okay. So I yeah. ha- I have to mention for the record that. Varsity debate coach Mr. Yorka was appalled that I priced Helter Skelter at one dollar. But hey, everyone's everyone's got a different opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm not into Helter Skelter. That that kind of freaked me out. Um, but I loved all the 
all the Across the Universe, Golden Slumbers, those more obscure Beatles songs I really love. But uh, some some of their the first licks on songs that that pull you in, like Day Tripper, I Feel Fine, those those are favorites. Okay. So so now I'm just curious for anyone out there who maybe uh, maybe it's a student out there listening or even an older person who's maybe never really gotten into the Beatles, maybe just knows, you know, the really big hits. Um, do you want to give them a message or any words of <laughs> encouragement about why it's so great to be a Beatles fan? Um, I don't know about words of encouragement. I mean, there's plenty <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, the watch some of the, the documentaries uh, that are out there now. I love the new documentary on Paul and... It talks about writing all the songs, the process, and the process of making the records. Really interesting. Um, you know, the way they made records then, they made made them in, you know, a day. They wrote the songs in the parking lot and came in and wrote these songs that have been with us for 50, 60 years. It's, they're, it's pretty amazing. So just their history and the fact that these songs have been around so long is uh, says a lot about... Uh, their musical abilities and just what genius they were at the right right time too. Well, thank you, Ms. Howell. And besides just giving us your time today yeah. and your thoughts on the Beatles, everyone at MBA really appreciates everything you do for our school, our students, our families, our faculty and staff. Thank you for everything. You are welcome. Love being here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Here on the Hill. For more information about our school, including upcoming admissions and alumni events, please visit montgomerybell.edu. To contact our podcast team, please email hereonthehillpodcast at montgomerybell.edu. That's here with an E-A-R. Thanks for listening. Go Big Red!